Hey guys, Ryan here. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Fierce Parenting. So today we have a special treat for you. We got to interview our good friends, Dr. Josh and Christy Straub about their new book, Famous at Home. So they've actually been very influential in our lives in that in the past interviews, we've talked to them on the marriage side of things. Uh, Josh has helped me really understand uh, from a man's perspective, the importance of emotions and empathizing and, and really identifying emotions and namely the ability to grow in emotional intelligence. And actually, as you'll learn in today's episode, we talked about how in emotional intelligence is actually one of the key kind of metrics you can use, key predictors for whether or not a child will grow up and have a, I don't know, quote unquote, well-adjusted kind of uh, successful life. And we mean successful, not just in worldly terms, but in, uh, in, in godly terms and spiritual terms. So we trust you'll enjoy this episode. We hope it bears fruit in your life. So please welcome our friends, Dr. Josh and Christy Straub, and we'll see you on the other side. Our dear friends, Josh and Christy Straub, how are you guys doing? Thanks for joining us. We're doing very well. Thank you for having us. It's always lovely to see you guys. Every time we see you guys, I'm like, we need more time. I know. I know. You're like kindreds, but just a little ways away. Well, we're doing pretty much the exact same work. We're just like outposts in enemy territory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're you're in more friendly territory, I'll say, though. You're, in, you're down in, in Tennessee. <laughs> Right? We yeah, are. we are in much friendlier territory, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> More, better than Washington, you would say? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, slightly, slightly different culture. <laughs> Just because you don't have your own chaz. You guys, chazes, you, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, you guys are, though, I mean, you know, you're missionaries there. I mean, that's just yeah. the reality. <laughs> that's what I keep telling her. Yes. Telling her. Yeah. It's a mission field out here. So catch us up a little bit. So we know you guys, but our, our viewers, our listeners may not be as familiar with the marvelous Straubs, as we call you around Doctors, our household. Yes. <laughs> um, how long have you guys been married uh, and how many kids do you have? Just tell us a little bit about what you do and, and give us the, the sure. 30 second rundown. Yeah, marvelous is probably um, a word that you can use <laughs> on uh, less days than, than, than other ones. But uh, <laughs> we, we're, uh, we have three kids. Uh, Christy and I have been married for 12 years. We have three kids. Uh, they'll be this coming next month. They'll be 10, eight, and we have a two year old. And so um, we have a ministry called Famous at Home and really helping families and then also um, business leaders and organizations and also military uh, really focus on what it means to be famous at home and how to prioritize home as the primary place because they're already famous. I mean, you already are famous at home like it, you, you are. But so often what ends up happening is, is we try to find fame elsewhere. And when we get that out of order, it just kind of really messes that up. So. So we have all kinds of resources and programs and cohorts and that type of thing that really help people be famous at home. Well, I love it. Yeah, you're, you you guys are the first one I ever heard that phrase from. And it's so, it's one of those perfect little phrases because it's so intuitive. Um, but then hearing you unpack it makes a lot more sense. I think at one point it might've been a quote from the book. It was uh, uh, the most important red carpet you'll ever walk down is right through your own front door. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I mean, I just being a father of three daughters, that's <laughs> that's been the case. So yeah. I'm curious, where did that how did that occur to you and that 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 concept? And then also give us the overview of why did you write Famous at Home as a book? I know it's your, your ministry. It's the work that you do daily. But what, why did you write the book specifically? What were you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, no, great questions. We so the Famous at Home idea really came out of this. Um, I mean, I've had mentors in my life who have preach that message to me, like the whole idea of, you know, you're doing great stuff, you're writing books, you're ministering, 
but never forget that you are famous at home. Like that's where you need to go. That's where you need to prioritize. Um, Cause, and, and, uh, and so, so that kind of mentors have really pushed that into my life. But then also too, I think one of the biggest things that we found is uh, we, we have counseling backgrounds. And so I would get a lot of phone calls in crisis situations from business leaders or ministry leaders or, or, or the like, where there was a, a moral or ethical failure of some type or just burnout. Maybe it was just plain burnout. And we just started asking ourselves, how can we be on the, instead of the crisis end of that, how can we be in the preventative side of that? And so one of the things that we started doing was looking at well, how do we really serve deeply the heart of the leader? And, and if I'm being honest, like our heart's kids, like our heart is the next generation. Like that's, we have kids books on emotional intelligence, like kids are our thing. But at the end of the day, the reality is, is that a child is really a byproduct of the environment that they live in. And so when you're working with leaders, when you're working with parents, you know, really the more that you can help serve the parent, to become more emotionally healthy, to understand the power of emotions, to understand how to enter into their child's world and, and into one another's world in the marriage, it really changes the atmosphere of the home, right? And so, mm-hmm. so, so that's where that's where we went on to the preventative side of it, and that's where the famous at home, I you know, brand really started coming to life, is because what we found is so many people, the reason they were burnt out or hit a moral or ethical failure in some way, is because the home became less of a priority, and everything outside the home became the priority. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and then also, I mean, we know like there's this whole idea that we're already famous in our heavenly home. And, you know, we love because he first loved us. So our ability to experience the love of the Father. So everything we do is really based in this whole idea that, you know, people come to you with a problem. They have a a marriage problem or a parenting problem or something. But at the end of the day, the more we find our identity in this, in in Christ and and, and in our heavenly home, it it just spills out into our earthly home and and then beyond those walls from there. And so... That's really what the book is all about. The book has been five, six years uh, in the making um, of us coaching families. It was really our our blueprint for how we coach families and 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 how and how we what we do to serve them. And so we would speak at events. We would have coaching, you know, uh, uh, cohorts and things like that. And people would say, "Where's the book? Where's the book?" And we just never had a book that had it all outlined. And so this was the first time that we were able to put kind of what we do to coach families into a into a book and reach more families that way. I think that's what was so exciting was to be able to get it out further because you can only serve so many people and be, I think the joy is getting to go deep with families and you realize like there's literally nothing God can't do. There's nothing he can't Mm -hmm. transform and change. And so people can come in with just devastation and no hope. And, And sometimes it's not even on that end of the, you know, a dramatic scale. It's just, they're just lifeless. Like they don't feel like there's a purpose in their family. Yeah. They're just stuck on the rat race of life. And, and of course, I mean, you look around in culture, that's where you're going to be if we emulate what we see. And yet we got involved um, in ministry. We got to see these amazing families that are living on purpose and with purpose and raising amazing kids. And they have rock solid marriages. And it was like, if, uh, if we could be, you know, so the hub where people can come to and realize that you're not alone. And it's truly iron sharpens iron. Get yourselves around. I mean, like you guys, like surround yourselves with people that are living such missional, intentional, really countercultural lives and like flip a lot of things on its head. Like whatever culture says, 
we follow what the Bible says. And it's been just so transformational to watch it happen in individual families. And then you could tip with the book, you can put it out into a lot more people's hands. And it's really neat to see mm-hmm. it's resonating because it's not because it's our words, just because it's the truth of God. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to go off script a little bit because he said something, Christy, that I've loved this idea that we are countercultural mm-hmm. yeah. and, uh, and that as, as Christian households, there is something very countercultural about just the idea of even just a nuclear home and an intact marriage between one man, one woman for life and children that, you know, have a, a place in the home, but, but it's not as friend of the parent, it's as a child, right? And there is a friendship there, but that's, uh, it's not the primary um, mm-hmm. association. What would you say are some of the most countercultural things that a Christian family can be doing um, in, in whatever context they're in, and specifically in, in, in the West and in the U.S.? Um, how can a Christian, like, how does, I'll put it this way, how does living as a Christian household uh, go against culture? What are maybe two or three ways or one or two ways that come to mind? Yeah, I think even just, if we're talking about Famous at Home, on the cover is a trophy. And I think culture tells us to chase accolades and fame outside of our homes. It's telling us to chase something. Like, and if you, if we're honest, you know, we get married, mm-hmm. we think about having kids, like we want them to be awesome. We want them to succeed at something. Like go be a doctor, go be an entrepreneur. Like we want them to succeed on a stage. And that's, that's viable. And I think that's also reasonable. Like we do want our kids to experience some level of success. But if, if that is the end goal, we are going to follow what culture says, which is, you know, put your kids in every sport and after school activity. And you, what happens is, and we did this a survey of, I forget, um, almost a thousand parents to figure out what were the common problems that they were facing. And it was busyness, not enough time. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're acting like chauffeurs. They're literally just chasing kids around and chauffeuring them from thing to thing to thing and again in all the right reasons we're trying to get expose them to things and allow them chances to find their giftings and to succeed and that's good but at the cost of what the life Mm. of the family has then been outsourced really outside the home we're just running after things and we don't even know what we're chasing we're just trying to give our kids a leg up and i think the countercultural message of famous at home, but all just of God is that you have, you have been destined for a purpose with a mission. And you find that within the family, within the family unit, and also within relationship and relationship can't happen when you're not together. Relationship and formation of character can't happen when you're not face to face with your kids, like when you don't see them. And I know that's, sometimes hard to hear even because you've, you know, we've been in seasons. I mean, our kids have been in every form of schooling. We're not, you know, pro anything, I think, but it's that, except to say that God has a specific design for you and your family and each child individually and, you know, public school, Christian school, homeschool, whatever that he leads you to, following in that is where you will find your peace and your rest and 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 following that is where you form in relationship and if you don't have Mm -hmm. space for relationship and truly the message of famous at home is that emotional connection to have that deep relationship where you earn the hearts of your children and you earn the heart of your spouse like 
That's the treasure. That's mm-hmm. the goal. And at the end of life, that's mm-hmm. what ultimately what we want. Um, but those smaller trophies that look good and they're shiny, they're so attractive because, I mean, if you think about it, how many times did people come up and ask your kids like, oh, what do you, you know, what do you do? What are you into? Or, you know, as a husband, as a wife, like, what do you do? It's all about our doing. It's not about our being. And I would say this too, like, I think very specifically, you know, in, in the book, in chapter, in, in, there's a, there's seven decisions in the book that we talk about. And the second decision is about the atmosphere of your home and, and identifying the atmosphere of your home. And I think counterculturally, we have to pay attention to the atmosphere of our home. And, you know, we're homeschooling. That's that's what we do. And, and I, I think, you know, there's a lot of people listening. You, you don't have an option. I think that's a big, you know, it's a struggle for parents who are like, man, I wish we could homeschool, but we can't. And, but I would say this. I would say regardless of whether you're able to homeschool or you're not, the atmosphere of your home is everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you listen to mainstream media or you've got that going on in the background on TV all the time, there's a spirit of fear that will automatically come into your home based upon what's being put into the atmosphere. Uh, uh, the way that we talk to one another, whether it's a spirit of complaint or arguing or grumbling or complaining. And, and a lot of times the grumbling and the complaining and the atmosphere of the home is changed when we're so busy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's really important that we pay attention to, and we have an assessment in the book, uh, to, to look at what is the atmosphere of your home and where do we want to tweak that? Where do we want to change that? Because, you know, God's called us to, you know, as Christy's talking about relationship, God's called us to live in a spirit of, uh, you know, not a spirit of fear, but that of love, power, and a sound mind. What is, is, are we living in a spirit of love? Are we living in a spirit of a sound mind? Or are we living in a spirit of peace? And like, so when you're busy and your kids are all individually running in different directions or you as parents are, when you come home, if the atmosphere of the home will be safe enough, it will either be safe or not safe enough to create conversation to get into the heart of your kids, to get into the heart of your spouse, to really hear like what is going on with us. Otherwise, when we're busy, we don't have time for that. We don't we don't look to that. We just live on the surface. And I think living counterculturally is to go, let me pay attention to the atmosphere of my home. What are we praying into mm-hmm. our home? What worship music do we have on into our home? And are we living in such a way that we are becoming more like Christ as adults so that our kids can also emulate that as opposed to um, running back and forth all over the place that we're never truly connecting. Um, what comes to mind when you say that is that the idea that for, for the Christian household, the home is not just a place where you sleep and eat mm-hmm. and put your stuff between activities. It's a place that's like a, it's a training ground. Mm-hmm. It's a rally point. It's a place to be healed. It's a place to be encouraged, to rest. To rest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, whereas maybe in, you know, I can't speak for every household, you know, throughout culture, but it would seem that maybe the, when you don't have that missional foundation for your, for the family unit, then the house can very easily devolve into that, into, mm-hmm. this is just a place where we kind of tolerate one another. And, mm-hmm. you know, Johnny's on his screen, Susie's on her screen. They're, as long as they're leaving me alone as the dad, like, I don't care what they're doing. They're not screaming. And so, and then we'll just go through life. And before we know it, they're out the door. And, you know, and that's, that, that to me is, is one of the great fears I have as a parent that somehow, yeah. anyway, I just love that to hear you saying that, that it's an intentionality that we have and we're creating the places and, and the spaces, right? So yeah. the environment where discipleship can actually happen. And one of the, um, an example of that is I remember our son coming home. Um, this was maybe a month or so ago now and I'm trying, oh, it was from school. So he, he'd come back. We, we do it. Our kids did a two day week hybrid school this past year. And so 
um, there was a day that he was at the hybrid and he came home and he was just he was just down like he was just there was so, he was noticeably not doing well emotionally and we were at the dinner table uh, as a family and one of the things that we do in our home is rather than talking about like your high and your low for the day, it's more so what was your positive emotion? What was your what was your greatest emotion you felt today? Was it excited, glad, content, happy? And then what was one uncomfortable emotion you felt? So was I embarrassed or jealous or sad or angry? Because uh, it really helps us get into the heart. You know, and the Bible says to guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Well. I believe when we get married, we have one flesh and we have one marital heart we need to guard. So my ability to enter into Christie's world and understand what she's feeling is how I guard our marital heart and her the same with me. Well, we want to guard our family's heart as well. And to do that, we really got to get into our kids' hearts. And so I asked him, you know, what was his feeling that day? And I can't remember exactly how it all how it all panned out, but I remember there was a kid in his class who said something to him. I think, oh, I know what it was. He wanted... I know exactly what it was now. He wanted to be uh, clean up the lunch table because he wanted to clean it up fast so he could go outside. Because if he went, cleaned up the lunch table, he'd go outside. But he spilled someone's water. And this kid said something to him about spilling the water and rushing around. And it offended him. It hurt him. And after he described it to us and he talked about it, we didn't defend the other kid. We didn't, like, we just listened to him. And by the end of the meal, he was cleaning dinner up and he was singing as he's cleaning dinner up like his countenance had completely changed because he, mm. he was in an environment where he could voice what was going on in his inner world rather than carrying it and i think that's a that's a description of what it looks like to really be that that home as you said that's mm. missional and that our kids are safe in where they can share things that are on their hearts without being ridiculed punished dismissed or, you know, or where we're jumping in and helicopter parenting and going, I'm going to call that kid's parents, you know? It's like they can just be themselves. Yeah. I love yeah. It. No, that's so important. I'm just sitting here gleaning and listening because um, I know you want me to ask the next question, and I will, but... It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. <laughs> it is. Um, I just... It's, it, is, it is so important to uh, train our kids in mm. that ability to have relationships because of, you know, the just screens and all of that it's like we're so uh we're so much more comfortable as a society to not be plugged into each other to not engage to not actually have face-to-face conversations and i think that there's that's just going to be it's going to be a complete breakdown of society in a lot of ways and so training our children of how to how to talk about hard things and how to share their emotions and how to listen to other people and then how to um help around the house you know just all those things that um seems like it should go without saying but have just become brighter I feel like in the in this this darker mm. world that we're kind of dwelling in so anyways I'm just encouraged uh hearing that and just yeah. uh excited about uh, just all of that so anyways you guys say it way more eloquently than me um in the book I'll get to the question uh you guys note that a parent's emotional ceiling is directly correlated to their child's what do you mean by that yeah so basically we have some emotions that go nuts so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So basically, our kids are not going to outgrow our emotional or spiritual maturity, for that matter, while they're under our roof. So if, you know, Mm. you can sum up all of parenting research into one primary conclusion, and that's that our kids become who we are. So, I mean, you Mm. you just, and I can go into research studies, multiple research studies that that describe that, but it's it's fascinating how this is why we, we we don't, we don't, we really don't like the word parenting that much 
because it really doesn't describe, it describes more of, a, of a, an action that you are taking. Uh, and it's not necessarily our actions towards our kids that matter and who they become as adults. What matters is who we're becoming. And so becoming is really kind of what we use to describe what it means to raise a child because it, it focuses more on who we're becoming as adults because our kids become who we are. And so, you know, we're always trying to raise our emotional ceiling, whether we're, you know, we have our own coaches, whether it's with our, our pastors, whether it's a therapist or whoever, like we're trying to always better ourselves. And the same thing. So like, for an example, you know, we, we're doing this little game with our kids right now because grumbling and complaining, talking about atmosphere in the home, grumbling and complaining was something that was really going on in our home, especially with, with one of our kids. And we were like, okay, we got to nip this in the bud. And so every time he's caught, I just gave it away. He, every time he's caught, um, you have two knees. I, I mean, there's the, anytime he's caught he has to put 50 cents in a jar but if we get caught complaining christy she has she or i christy we, we or, both, or josh or josh yeah and so we're always a household held accountable to grumbling and complaining to yeah. shift that atmosphere and the attitude of how we're seeing life and, and, and living out of gratitude rather than, than complaining. And so we're just as much a part of that as our kids. We're also sharing a positive and a negative emotion or uncomfortable emotion from our day. Um, not one that's going to put the emotional burden on our kids, but one that allows our kids to see that we've struggled, that we're, that we're human as well. And we're dealing with positive and, and negative emotions all the time ourselves and how we're navigating those. I think it's just a great way for our kids to, mm. to say, Hey, I, you know, to, to see us living that out, um, is just really important. Mm -hmm. And you know what I want to say to you, I just want to tie back to like what you said, Ryan, earlier, like you talk about counterculture. I mean, you hear us, we keep talking about emotion and I, I want to be clear, like for a lot of us, we didn't grow up in homes where emotion was talked about. Um, we it's, it's a very transactional conversation even in our relationships it's just like what'd you do today oh you know what'd you do today and that's fine but that's a level of knowledge of someone that's very superficial whereas we think about how god knows us he knows the heart and i think that's the something we need to emulate in our relationships that's so different than the world you can know things about someone and not really know them at all but to connect to the heart you have to connect with emotion to the person's emotion and something, I mean, for a lot of us, that's not even comfortable to talk about. And so what's part of the, the seven decisions is to make emotion language part of your home. And that's why we have kids books on emotion language and, and you know, with a feelings chart, because if you can learn that as a child, you're so much more equipped to handle relationships. I mean, it shows across the board, emotional intelligence is far more instrumental in long-term and long-term success in life than IQ is. And so these are like the fundamentals, I think, that if we as Christians, they're tools really, that if we give our kids young and if we employ them as a, as a, in marriage and the kids see that and they, I mean, I remember just a couple, I don't know, a few weeks ago, we were doing an episode of the, one of the, I guess it was the week the book released. And um, I asked Joshua. Because.
because, you know, mm-hmm. I've put something out into the world and it was brave and I'm like tears just recalling it. And there's something about an emotion when you can, when you can connect an emotion that you're feeling and convey that to someone else, you, you lean in, like everyone leans mm-hmm. in when you hear that and you're like, I like, I see you. I like really know you. I like, I, I even as his wife, like to hear him say he felt brave. I was like, I connect to how deeply this is like how significant this is to you. This isn't just like, yeah, cool. We did it like nice moving on. It meant something. And I think just for as even as Christians, I think a lot of times we get really good at using our platitudes and our verses and, you know, kind of coding over how we actually feel like connecting to the heart of one another because we do have hope because we do, you know, there's times when we do struggle and we like, go to the word and we like convince ourselves again and again that God is true and real and you know will always come through on his promises but we can still feel afraid but we can still feel um jealous and angry and all those things and to be able to connect with the true heart of where someone is at I think as Josh is saying parenting you know in air quotes it just doesn't do a great job of of covering what it really is it's connecting and if we do, we have to first model that and do a really good job at it ourselves. So our kids see, oh, it's okay to come home upset, rejected, embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to actually say that to another person because I can come back from that. It doesn't define me. But I think as culture, we think that's weakness and it's not, it's human. And we need to be able to be mm-hmm. that human for one another and with our kids. I love it. Yeah. No, I'm really glad that you said that because I I don't like the emotion conversations. I feel like too many people I know have just elevated emotions to be in the driver's seat of their life. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily, and I know you probably agree, you don't believe, like that's not where God placed emotions in terms of order and whatnot. And so, yes, I just, I, you brought have you brought so much clarity to the whole word emotion and how, why it's important for us to have them and to see like just to be able to see someone that's God gave us emotions. So we're not supposed to be emotionless. Like, well, but what is the function? What is the purpose? And, and, and yeah. I think to, to that point, Selena, like our, like one struggle I have with the culture we live in is, and, and there's, there's two sides to the coin. I think in the church world is that we either have pushed emotion completely out because, uh, we don't trust it. We don't like it. We don't want to act on it. And so therefore we pushed it out completely and have ignored the power of it. Or the other side is that we just act on our emotions. And, you know, there's a middle ground here that the Bible clearly, I mean, Jesus wept. Jesus felt angry. Jesus felt, I mean, he had all of these emotions. The book of Psalms, David, I mean, it is a, a, a voyeuristic look into his journal. And so we cannot separate our emotional feeling and our emotions from biblical truth. We've got to carry those two together. Um, and, but but when you separate biblical truth, you get head knowledge. You know, in Ephesians three nineteen, right. it says, um, "I pray that you might know beyond knowledge the love of Jesus for you." Well, those words are gnosko and epigonosko, and like to know is to relationally know beyond head knowledge the love of God mm-hmm. for us, like our ability to be able to just experience Him and enjoy His love for us. It's what change. It's it's what compels us. His love compels us. Like it's everything, 
And so for a child to feel that from their parent, for a spouse to feel that, like there's something beautiful about that, that we just find, you know, just to be a major part of this. And Amen. a proverb that says, um, patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. And the reality is, is if you can't name your emotion or you've repressed it, it's going to control you. The more we try to repress or turn down emotion, the more power it has over our lives. And so, I mean, real emotional health is being able to feel the full spectrum, like the full range of emotion and come in and out of those emotions. Whereas someone who has learned to repress, you know, anger, fear, like it comes out in anxiety, comes out in rage. Like there are, are really unhealthy ways that we've thought where we're like, you know, dampening down emotion so that feels like self-control and it's not it's repression and those things get real dangerous especially if we're modeling those for our children because truthfully if we if we numb out the negative emotions we actually numb out all the positive ones so to all the parents who are like i don't remember i was with a woman she's a part of our coaching group and i said you know when's the last time you felt joy and she just sat there in silence i mean she's like i I don't know the last time I felt joy. And the difficulty is when we numb out everything that feels uncomfortable to us, we can no longer feel emotions. We can't feel joy and surprise and all these delightful, the, the delight of God. Mm. I think we can't feel them anymore. And that's, um, yeah. again, I think part of the power of just dipping our toes in the water, of even just allowing a conversation yeah. around the dinner table of emotion. So good. Yeah. Um, what came to mind when you were saying repress, repressing, right? Um, it's it's a form of being dishonest, right? When yeah. we are yeah. we're pretending like we're feeling something we're yeah. not actually mm -hmm. feeling in the name of quote unquote self-control. Uh, when that's not what self-control is scripturally. Mm -hmm. Now self-control is, you know, the actions that we do and in, in, in living, walking in the flesh versus the, excuse mm -hmm. me, walking in the spirit versus the flesh. But our daughters need to see like yeah. when dad it feels afraid. And that's okay, and by 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 displaying that, like you said, Josh, they become versions of us, right? They, they they'll, they'll become little, you know, they become us as they grow. Um, and I think God is so good. I like I feel like I'm learning from my kids too because right. I didn't have a two parent household, and so yeah, a lot of the repression and all of the you know the mm. emotions is more self preservation, and so you're just kind of. You, you coast, you, you chase what you got to get done, what you got to get done. And then I see the joy in my kids' faces and I see the confidence. Like they don't have the same struggles that I had internally. And yet I think they laugh the most and they have the most fun when they see me laughing or me like mm. being That's silly right. or whatever because he's yeah. always fun. And, and sometimes I think I'm more business than fun, but, <laughs> you know, understanding where that comes from and, and yeah. unpacking that. I mean, that's just, that's so beautiful. So and you guys have taught us so much. Um, I think we had you on the marriage podcast a couple of years back. And we, get you on again. <laughs> we talked about emotional maturity, emotional mm -hmm. intelligence, and that has just stuck with me and that I've started actually teaching the, our, the men on the, on the marriage side. Like this is something, this is a skill you can learn. And yeah. it's a skill that yeah. if you do learn it, it will serve you and your family well, very well into, you know, many, many years from now. And so, I mean, unfortunately, we're out of time and like uh, we could talk with you guys forever, like you said. But um, this book, uh, Famous at Home, uh, I, I just want to encourage if you're watching this, you're listening to this, um, you're a fierce parenting, fierce marriage viewer, listener. 
go check it out. Josh and Christy, you guys clearly know your stuff. And but not only that, but you tie it faithfully back to Scripture, to the well of knowledge that is God's word, but also just the, the, the well of healing that is God's word and, and sanctification that it is. So where is the best spot for our audience um, to find you guys and to, to participate in, in the ministry that you guys are doing? Yeah, famousathome.com would be the place. And uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. So, um, you know, we have our own personal accounts and then we've got the Famous at Home stuff. So you can find us on socials or uh, to get everything is famousathome.com. And we have the Famous at Home podcast too by the yeah. same name. So Awesome. And I trust that if I go to your personal Instagram accounts, I'm going to find nothing but spicy, hilarious Christian memes. Hopefully that's the case. <laughs> We're not the best. Just spicy We're not the enough. Best Instagram. <laughs> oh, don't. Neither don't am I. I'm either. saying it. <laughs> I'm we like worker, podcasting, so. <laughs> but like social media is a different animal. I don't know. Yes. We're just trying to like yes. keep kids and it. like get through the day. Like there's only so much time. So Amen. Yeah, social media <laughs> itself is like having another child. And I just I didn't, I didn't want that child. You're a Bacon's child too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Josh and Christy, thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, if you're, if you're watching this, listening to this, make sure you guys check out famousathome.com. And uh, guys, I'm sure we'll have you on again, probably on the marriage side. So until that, we'll see you next time. Can't thank wait. you so much. Can't wait. Love you guys. <laughs>